Yep, and that's how it's done. The, this is something we did uh, last year for the first time, you know, on the, in between the Christmas and New Year's. And so we thought, you know what, it worked out so well last year uh, because every single uh, service, you know, whether it be here or even at Otis, you know, had just some great questions that they asked. And so we're excited that you are here, you know, on this week after Christmas. So to kick us off, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to look back. And so what I want you to do is answer this question, what did God do? in and through your life in 2019. So what did God do in and through your life? Could be around your life. If you can't think of anything, it's the end of a decade. So think last 10 years, okay? If you, if you need a little bit more. So there's one thing that God did in or through your life in 2019. Turn to your neighbor, do this in Otis as well, and we'll come right back up. Go and do that now. This may be one of the most important things of this year. If you were really quiet and it was hard to think, I think you have an idea of maybe what 2020 should look like. It's very easy for us to go through the monotony, the busyness, the craziness of life and not stop long enough to reflect back that God is alive, that he is active and he's living and he's wanting to do stuff in us and he's wanting to do stuff through us. See, in 2020... I want God to have something for you, but also I know that God wants something from you. That's going to be one of the themes that we're going to look at as we look into this next year. Now, firstly, you know, I want to let you know, uh, thanks again for coming to the Christmas Eve services. Uh, for some of you, I haven't seen you in a week and a half. For others of you, I saw you three days ago, you know, and so it has been a wonderful ride. Uh, people are like, you know, aren't you excited to get through? No, we don't get through. We celebrate each moment, each service, each opportunity, you know, that God continues to use. And didn't our worship team just do a phenomenal job? Didn't they just do a great job, Christmas services. They did awesome. For all of you who volunteered, who helped, who are serving out in front of the parking lots and to the kids, it was just amazing. Let you, let you guys know, we had over 5,800 people that attended between this campus and Otis. Otis, thank you. You guys did an amazing job. It was fun to be out there for two of the three. And I hear that uh, Holland rocked it, you know, out there. And so give Holland a hand right now. Can you guys give Holland a hand for doing that? I know you guys are doing that, you know, as well in Otis. Now, as I look, you know, back, you know, personally in 2019, I can see, you know, very clearly as I was preparing for today that God is growing and has grown in me this word, and that is perseverance. Perseverance just kept coming back over and over and over. As I look back, you know, personally, uh, I thought even physically, uh, I had to persevere through something called a, a, a triathlon, you know, this half Ironman, you know, that I allowed some other yahoos to talk me into, you know, which is a whole different conversation about are you a leader or a follower, you know, um, but uh, I followed blindly, you know, uh, into that event. But uh, most of you heard or didn't hear, I got sick, you know, right beforehand. And if it wasn't for, you know, uh, Reed Moore and Kenny and Eric and the Hoffmans and so many others who came alongside, there's no way that I've gotten through. 
Because if I was on my own, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have just shown up. I'd be like, I'm too sick to participate. But because everybody else was there, I was like, no, 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 I got to continue. And it reminded me of the importance of perseverance. I thought about myself, you know, as a father this last year, you know, and how perseverance kind of was that word. Uh, It's easy and it's fun to celebrate when God leads you to adopt a child. It's another thing to actually try to raise that child. And so uh, this year, you know, even though it continues to get better, it is definitely one that I look at and said, God, uh, I need your perseverance to get through some different scenarios that I've never had to face as a father before. Uh, I, I can tell you that I have persevered as your pastor. You know, um, as uh, always, it's, it's always a, a challenge, just like in your, you know, uh, work or your life, you know, to go through different things. I can tell you this last year was the hardest, you know, for me, you know, being on staff here. There's been a lot of changes. There's been a lot of loss. There's been a lot of struggle. You know, we've had some key staff people, you know, who moved on. That creates stress in and of itself. We've had to move on, some tra- transferring some different staff roles, and that's always hard for that staff person as well as the unity of our staff. We've had some challenges of unity, you know, within our staff and within our church, you know, which has created a dynamic, you know, and a stress, you know, I know in my life and the life of others as well. And then I've had some theological fun conversations with partnering churches, you know, where we've disagreed about some things, but probably not handled it in the most biblical way, at least on the receiving end. And so it created an amazing amount of stress, uh, more than I can remember in, in the short period of time, especially between about, you know, June, July to the end of the year. But what I can tell you is without, again, people, you know, in my life, especially the elders and other staff people, you know, uh, it would have been much more challenging. Just like at the race, I would have been, you know what, Let, let's just kind of go home. Let's, let's find something else. It'd been a little easier. It's easier to do that than it is to stand and persevere. And so I want to make sure that I thank our incredible elders, you know, who stood by and walked through. And so I don't want to miss everybody because I always forget one person. So thank you, Mark, Brian, Wayne, Paul, Jason, and Anthony, for standing by. You know, isn't that, don't we have amazing elders being able to do that this year? You know, whether it be a, a father without my wife, there's no way, you know, I could have persevered without, you know, the triathlete, there's no way without friends and without, and being a pastor, there's no way without other elders that you're, I'm able to persevere. We need one another. We need each other on this journey. And, and that's the journey. And what I've gone through doesn't even compare to some of the things that you have gone through. But this verse has anchored me and what I believe that God has shown me this last year. In James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There it is for me. Let perseverance, here's where it's important, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so here's what I can say as we come to the end of 2019, because of God's perseverance in and through my life, my resolve for me as a father and me as your pastor is greater than it's ever been. You know, I am more excited about what God's going to be doing in 2020 than probably any other year coming into this place and will be going into then my fifth year. And so I'm so excited to see what God's going to do. And we're going to unfold some of that, you know, in just a second. But looking ahead into 2020, here's what I want to ask you before we answer our time together. What are you most looking forward to in 2020? What is something that you are looking forward to as you look into the year of 2020? Otis, go ahead and answer this question. Answer this question with the person sitting next to you, and I'll come back up in just a second.
Now, I hope uh, there's some things that you are looking forward to in, in 2020 as I got a chance to sit down and prepare. I'm looking forward to first physically getting back into shape, you know, that always seems to be the uh, September to December swoon. And I think I swooned a little too far this year. You know, it's, it's almost like after the, the triathlon, I was like, I wanted nothing to do with running, biking, or swimming for quite a long period of time, you know, hoping that to come back. Spiritually, you know, each year I like to try to develop a word that God kind of gives me as I study Him in prayer. And that'll be happening over the next, you know, a week or so uh, as something that he wants me to dive into. Uh, personally, as a father, I'm looking forward to having two sons in high school this next fall. That's going to be fun and crazy, you know, at the same time. As a husband, I'm looking forward to more time with my wife away from my kids. You know, uh, those are always, uh, you know, fun times we got kind of scheduled out. But I'm most looking forward to what God has in terms of the foundation that I believe he wants us to lay here at Valley Real Life here and in Otis Orchards for, for the future and for years to come. So for example, I am so looking forward. We are five weeks away, six weeks away from launching our Freeman campus. And so Freeman is going to be launched. And so we get excited about that. You know, here we get excited because it's going to lay a foundation for the Freeman community. Why are we going to Freeman? To reach people for Jesus one person at a time. It's not for people just to get more comfortable because it's small. It's not for people to be like, yeah, I get to be the leader in a small, you know, fishbowl. I get to be, you know, create a church that I want it to look like. No, no, no. You're still part of Valley Real Life, and our goal is to reach people for Jesus. That's our vision. And to then to be make disciples of and for him. I'm looking forward to continued growth in Otis, you know, in Otis Orchards. You know, you guys have laid a foundation, and I believe the foundation has been laid on Christ, and God's gonna work through you guys in a powerful way to reach that community. That is why you're there, and that's what we're most excited about. Now, this first half of the year is going to be, what does God want for you? What does God want for you? So we're kicking off, as uh, the guys already mentioned, you know, we are kicking off this first financial series on the ABCs of Financial Freedom, and you're getting a book for free because this is what we want for you. There are some things that God has to say about resources that he wants you to experience according to his word. We're gonna talk about parenting. You know, after that in the month of February or grandparenting, or if you're ever around any kid, what do I do? You know, and so we're gonna walk through that together so that this is some things that God wants for you to experience. We're gonna look at the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross before we, you know, head into Easter itself. And then afterwards, we're gonna jump out of that in terms of good health. What does health look like according to God's word? He has a lot to say about physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental health according to his word. And then we're gonna kind of transition as we look into this next year. And then we're gonna look at the next half of the year. What does God want from you? And this is why this is important is because um, by this time next year, I'm praying that we're celebrating that we have committed, raised, and are moving forward with the expansion that God wants us to have here at Valley Real Life. So as elders, we've been praying, we've been processing, so we're gonna go into a finance campaign next fall, and we're gonna lay the foundation for the next several years of what does that mean to double the auditorium? What does it mean to add more lobby space, more parking, so that we're not doing 10, 11, 12, 25 services on a Christmas weekend? Because people continue to move to the area. If you've noticed, they're still building to my left, to your right. They're still building in this region. And so we wanna make sure that we're prepared for what God has in store. And so we're looking forward to that this next 
fall. Now, in preparation for that and for preparation for what is going on around here, I have exciting news to be able to announce to you today. And you can see it in your weekly, if you guys are a little bit cheaters and you're right ahead, we have just hired our executive of ministries, our executive ministries. Now, the way things are set up around here is we're going to a two executive model. What that means is we have Allison Eldred, who is our executive of operations. So she oversees HR, finance, facilities, communications, web, you know, and many, many other things, you know, that she's overseeing in this basis. The second person that we're looking for is a guy to lead our ministries. So someone who would be overseeing all of the ministries, obviously they're not all reporting to him, but he's going to oversee all of them. And we've been praying, you know, uh, since this last summer about who that person would be. And God has led us to a great man by the name of Jay Jones, who flew out today so he could be here in live in person. You can meet him. So we welcome with me Jay Jones, our new executive pastor of ministries. Look, there you are. Have a seat, Jay. So glad that you made it. Not too jet lagged, are you? No, no, no. We made it just fine. Pilot made it, so I made it. Good. Yeah. The pilot makes it, then you make it. There I like go. that. So Jay, tell us a little bit about you know yourself and your family. Yeah, we. Uh, um, well, I you know I was really first of all thank you so much. Thanks for having me here this weekend. Thanks for inviting me to come be a part of the uh, Valley Real Life family. We're so excited. My family is so excited. Uh, just that we get to be a part of this special place. Yeah. So thanks. So, uh, yeah, was raised in a great family. You know, I know a lot. Not everybody gets this type of a uh, experience, but I was just one of those people who got blessed with a great mom and dad. And uh, my mom, my sisters, and I are still really close to this day. And uh, my dad, he's passed, but uh, when he was still with us, was literally my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding, and uh, just grew up in this uh, wonderful, close knit, loving family. And was just really fortunate for that. And so then I headed off to college and I met my wife. Um, she is the best part of this deal. I guarantee you're going to like her even better than me. And so we already do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I know you do. So uh, we got married about uh, matter of fact, 30 years ago this June. And um, just a, uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady that God's blessed me with. And uh, he also then gave us two great kids. My daughter Bailey is uh, she just got married this last April. And you never know who your daughter's going to marry. And in this case, she married a great man, uh, Drew Huggins. And so um, we were able to have her wedding this last April. And then my son has graduated recently with a master's, master's degree. He's going to be a pastor as well. And um, he's talking to churches now and trying to find his first place of ministry. And so all that really ended up with a really special thing this last April at my daughter's wedding because my son and I actually both officiated the wedding. And so just this wonderful, just joyful moment for me to be standing next to my son, officiating over my daughter's wedding with this great young man uh, who's now a great part of our family. And, and so, yeah, that's our, that's our family. We just, we love to serve together and we, and my daughter actually works for the, for a church as well. And so yeah. we're, we're all about church and ministry. Love it. You know, Jay's got quite a bit of experience, you know, which is one of the things that attracted us, you know, uh, to him. And so Jay, tell us just a little bit about, you know, your ex ministry experience. Sure, yeah. Uh, married uh, 30 years, basically in ministry for 30 years. Mm -hmm. We jumped uh, jumped right in with both feet. And, um, you know, through that time, God's really just blessed me and given me the opportunity to serve in uh, pretty much every single ministry role a church has to offer. Um, started off in doing uh, children and students and then uh, then focused just on students and shifted over to adult ministries and was a senior pastor for a time, which 
lets me know I don't want your job. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, uh, and just have had a chance to do pretty much everything except for what the job you don't want me to do, which is lead worship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, you don't want me at the microphone singing. Uh, so um, we uh, took all that and, and God, you know, just gave me, gave me those experiences, which then transitioned into shifting into more of the leadership roles in the church. And so for about the last 13 years, served in executive pastor types of roles. We're now kind of leading the bigger picture about where ministries go and what they do and the direction ahead as well as developing the staff. And the advantage of all that is having been there and in the trenches and doing all those ministries allows me to know kind of how to make all those things work well together, but also how to get the uh, the staff to become their very best at ministry. And so, um, yeah, God's, God's allowed us to do that. Well, and I know that we had a great, you know, long interview, you know, with uh, Jay. It wasn't like a one time, you know, we had phone conversations. We flew him and Kathy out. The staff got to meet him in multiple different environments. You know, and I can just tell you that the staff is excited, you know, about having Jay, you know, on board, you know, because of his experience, you know, and because of, you know, his uh, love of people. You know, he's uh, amazing when it comes to relationship, but especially as developing, you know, uh, people and wanting to see God do the next thing, you know, uh, in this place. Which, speaking of which, you know, what would cause you, you know, uh, he's been in Savannah, Georgia the last 10 years, you know, at a church that's like 10,000 people. You know, and uh, you're like, whoa, it's literally, we actually measured it on a map. It's literally almost the farthest place that you can be uh, in this country and still be in this country and uh, actually come, you know, to a different part of the country. And so we're like, Jay, why in the world would you leave where God has had you for the last 10 years and come to this place called Valley Real Life? What would make you say yes to this place? You know, God is very funny in how he moves us and works with us when he's got a new direction that he's trying to lead us into our lives. And so literally a couple of years ago, uh, we just started kind of feeling God moving in our life. And we didn't know exactly what that meant or what that was or what that was going to end up looking like. And But we just really sensed that movement. And so we began to pray about that and really seek God about it. And about a year ago, I uh, really came to the conclusion that really God had some a, a significant new direction for us to move in. And again, we didn't really know what that was. Like you said, we're at a great church and a great situation, um, but uh, but wanted to be open to where God was leading. So we just continued to pray and uh, kind of try to see what uh, God had in store. And I came across uh, this opportunity at Valley Real Life and started looking into the church. You know, you and I both have a mutual friend uh, that knows us, another pastor. And so asked him, hey, tell me about this Dan guy, tell me about this church. And he was, you know, very positive. And so contacted y'all. We started talking and, you know, it's really interesting. I told you this in our second conversation, but uh, our, after the, at the end of that first conversation with you and Allison and I, um, I just felt something special. Uh, something special was going on. I, again, still didn't exactly know what that was, but there was just something special there. And so uh, we talked and talked and talked almost every week for a couple months. Yep. And to learn more about your heart, the church, the vision of the church, the direction and and that specialness just continued to grow and that connection just continued to grow. And it became perfectly clear to me that uh, this is exactly what God was preparing us for. And he worked, started working on our hearts all that, uh, all that long time ago uh, to get us to the place where we said, all right, God, you're, you're asking us to move. You're, you're pointing us in a new direction. And when God asks you to move, you know, yes, why leave all that? The answer is when, when God's moving, you follow. And so yeah. we're following. We're right. excited to be here. And, and again, we came from the West. So coming back to the West is appealing to us. And so we're just excited to be a trees. part of it. 
Trees. Like trees. Trees, mountains. Yes. You know. And I live in a town called Richmond Hill that literally has no hills. <laughs> I don't know why they named it that. It's perfectly flat. <laughs> uh, one of the things I'm excited, you know, also about Jay is he's been to where I believe that God is calling us. You know, uh, we've never desired just to be a, you know, that our whole goal in life is to be a large church. I think I told you before, I've been a part of larger churches than Valley Real Life. But it's obvious that he has placed us in a unique setting for such a time as this that very well seems to be leading us to continue to reach people for Jesus one person at a time. And Jay has been a part of places where they are further than where we have been, including multiple campuses. So for those of you who had Otis, you know, or at Freeman, you know, they had nine campuses where he came from. So he, and when they were started, they had one. So he kind of knows what that looks like and some of the pitfalls and the things that don't go well and maybe think about this. And, and so that's been incredibly encouraging, you know, kind of walking through. And so we're lucky to have him, you know. And so Jay isn't here yet. He just flew out, you know, for uh, us at the, this weekend. I said, this is a perfect weekend to kind of introduce you, you know, to kind of the core of our family. If you're new with us, this is a perfect weekend to be here. You get to kind of see behind the scenes. But one last question, you know, for Jay is what are ways that we can support you, you know, as a church, both now, you know, and even in your first coming on? Sure. Yeah, I, I would just say uh, the, the number one thing that you can do to support me and the rest of the staff, for that matter, is just be all in. And, you know, God really is doing something special here. When we talked, you know, hearing about the, the vision, the direction, strong staff, incredible elders, like you mentioned earlier, um, there's something special going on here. But, you know, we need everybody to be all in. And that's, that's you know, supporting and encouraging and serving and just, you know, throwing your, your hat into the ring. Uh, don't just be a spectator out in the bleachers, man. Get on the field, get into the action, be part of, the, of what God's doing here. Uh, because I don't hold the secrets to life. You don't hold the secrets to life. God does, and, and God's church does. So be a part of that church. Dive in. Give it your all. Be a part of what God's doing here. Uh, and that's not what actually supports me best or you best or the rest of the staff best. It's actually what supports what God's trying to do here best. Give yourself fully to his church, to the work that he's doing, the kingdom that he's building, the difference that he's trying to make here uh, through Valley Real Life. Awesome. Yeah. You need a house to be sold? Yeah, anybody want to buy a house in and, uh, Georgia? <laughs> so part of it, you want to let us know, you know, is that Jay's coming on in a little over a week, you know, so first week, week and a half of January. He will actually be here, but his wife will not. Now, why is that? Well, she, we need somebody to be back there selling the house, taking care of things, you know, getting the uh, everything packed up and yeah. all those types of things. So. so be praying that the house really does sell. You know, because that'll get, you know, Kathy out here much sooner, you know, than anticipated. And so just be praying that that happens according to God's timing, you know. And as always, you know, uh, my expectation, you know, is for those of you who are bought in, just make him feel home. Make him feel like this is his home, you know, from the moment he comes in. He flies out tomorrow, but like I said, he'll be back in a week and a half. But uh, will you join me? I'm going to actually ask uh, Wayne, where are you? Wayne, come on up. Uh, um, Brian is here too. Brian, come here. And if you, if you don't wouldn't mind. Anthony, are you here? Quick, quickly, come on, come on up. Anthony, is there any of our other elders here at this at this service? I don't think so. So uh, we're gonna pray, you know, for Jay, you know, as he kind of steps into this. Sorry to throw this, you know, on you right at the last second, you know, but thank you for your speed. Uh, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jay, for Kathy, uh, Lord, just for their heart, just to follow you wherever that may be. Uh, may we as a church have that same mindset and attitude. Lord, just uh, be willing to surrender to your ways, to your will. 
So Father, we pray a blessing in their lives. We pray that the house would be sold. We pray, Lord, just continually for their marriage uh, to be centered on you, as I know it has been for so many years. Father, thank you so much for Kathy and her heart for you and for ministry. Pray that you just uh, bless the house selling in such a way that they would be able to unite quicker than even what is anticipated. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for bringing Jay. And we ask that you lead him as uh, we submit ourselves to, you know, once again, to people who are following you. And Jay's one of those people. So we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jay a hand? Wayne, you might as well stay. What we're going to go into right now, you know, is uh, we're going to go into the text in questions. And, and again, we wanted to open this up because sometimes there's not this kind of this free-flowing conversation that you might have, as was described at the beginning, conversation you might have about our church. You know, those would be kind of fun conversation you might have about God, conversations that you might have about the Seahawks, you know, whatever, you know, conversation you'd like to have. Um, these guys have been you know, already filtering through some of the text and questions, uh, but we've got about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, you know, left in our service that we are setting aside so that we can try to answer whatever question that you have. Now, I want to say this. If we don't get to your question, it's not because your question isn't valuable. It's just based on time. You know, or based on the trajectory of, of however we're going to be talking. So what that means is don't let the question go unanswered. I'll, allow this to spur on a conversation with other people or other people on stage. And so I've asked, you know, um, Hester Christensen, who is our women's pastor here. Can we give it up to Hester, you know, for being that? Be up on stage with us today. Or, sorry, she's over here. Sorry, I pointed that way. Uh, Wayne Williams is uh, chairman of our eldership, you know, uh, which uh, his chairmanship will be ending in about three days, you know, uh, and then uh, the chairmanship will go over, you know, to Brian, you know, in 2020 as they kind of rotate that position around. And so he drew the short straw. And so we pulled him on stage. And then you obviously know Tyler and Eric, you know, our middle school and high school pastors, you know, who will be asking the questions and maybe answering some of them as well. So this should be interesting for the last, we got about 15 minutes left. See how, how this goes. I'm convinced that uh, Eric and I got asked because they just assume as youth pastors we're always on our phone anyway. So uh, it's perfect. Um, but uh, Dan got to, you started uh, this morning asking a question of what was something that God did in our lives uh, in 2019. And Dan, I think you answered that uh, for you personally, but I want to give Hester and Wayne an opportunity for you guys personally. What's something that you guys saw uh, God do in or through your lives uh, in this last year? He's going, uh, he, she wants you to go first. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think personally, uh, it's been, uh, the perseverance was, was a good, uh, a good word that Dan had. Uh, we, we welcomed two more uh, grandbabies into our family. So we have six now that are all under five. So that was, uh, that's both a strong blessing and at the same time a whole daycare shows up at the house when they come. Uh, and then I, I think that uh, the, the thing from the church perspective uh, that I probably have really appreciated is when you heard Dan get up here and, and speak a little bit ago about what he struggled with is having a, a pastor that is vulnerable and transparent and um, shares what he's going through is actually real refreshing because you, we all go through that. And so that was, a, I think, probably the best thing that I got this year, even from the church, and to see it continue to grow. Because there has been loss, as, as he indicated, and struggle in that. But through that struggle, we've all grown. 
I know for me, it's been a, a, a great journey of a year or two. And I think that the overall theme that God's continued to impress on my heart has been to press into me as you press on. Um, there, there's no other way to make it through life, I don't think, without pressing into Christ and who he is. From a parental standpoint, I would say God continues to stretch me in trusting him with my children. Um, that's been a great journey as I'm ready to launch another teenage boy. We can't say we have three teenagers anymore. We have a 20-year-old. Wow. And two teenagers. <laughs> um, and from a church standpoint, I would say God has really just shown me uh, what it looks like to really just unleash people. Um, and that's been a fun journey to just unleash people and their giftedness and their work of ministry that God has given them, but to really allow them to have fun. Awesome. So sort of a follow-up question on that, Hester, specifically for you. Uh, first off, your shoes, they're money. Uh, question, though. Uh, boys did good. <laughs> uh, what is your hope and prayer for the women of the RL for 2020? How much time do we have? <laughs> 45 minutes. Perfect. Wow. My hope and prayer, uh, you know, for the women of Valley Real Life, for the women of our community and our church, I would say is to really grow in the intimacy with Jesus. I think that our relationship with God is the greatest thing that we can continue to invest in on a daily basis. And my hope and my prayer from a very practical standpoint would be that every woman who walks in those doors would have a place to belong in women's ministry here, that we've provided a community of women who love one another, who want to, like Dan said, we need each other, that we want to do life together, and that we're really passionate about the gospel and helping other women experience what that looks like. That's great. Um, as, again, as we look forward, um, we just got to meet Jay. Uh, so Dan, a question for you. How does Jay Jones coming on board help you or change and or change your role? Yeah, um, one of the advantages or disadvantages is before I came on staff, I had been in two other executive of ministry roles in addition to a lead pastor role. And so um, at larger churches. So I've been executive of ministries and in between I was an, a lead pastor. And uh, so the advantage is, is that when coming on staff, um, I have been, unbeknownst to you guys, I have been operating in a dual role since I've been here. You know, um, I've been, sorry, does that make you upset? Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm really excited for Jay, Dan. Jeez. Really excited. Man, don't. Tired of reporting to you. Tired, jeez. So anyway, Tyler, so um, I've been in two roles. So meaning that I have been operating as the executive of ministries as well, because I knew I could handle both roles till a certain point. This last year, you know, it was an aha moment uh, when we were sitting in an elder retreat and even before that, a lead team retreat, realizing that we were not getting to where we believe God was calling us to go. And we look back and says, well, why are we getting there? And we look at all the things you know, that was taking place that Allison was overseeing and she was getting leaps and bounds, you know, ahead on what God was doing. Then all the other things, like, well, why aren't we getting there? And I was like, oops, those are my things that I'm supposed to be leading the staff individually and otherwise. And so uh, when that happened and then with Ryan leaving at the same time, it created this, you know, a larger hole of leadership that I was no longer able to carry, realizing that I was becoming the stopgap. And so what this does is it allows Jay's to come, Jay to come in and not only fulfill where Ryan was, you know, um, outside of Ryan, as you know, spoke on a more regular basis. Jay will speak too, but just not as frequently. 
you know, but um, also just somebody who can focus in on that being their only role so that I can continue to focus on vision, I can focus on preaching, I can focus on leadership development, I can focus on goal setting, I can focus on more in our congregation. For some of you who don't know, I had to sit down with the elders and I had to say, guys, in order for me to survive these next six months, something has to give. With Ryan leaving and with Chuck leaving, I said, something has to give. And so I told him, I said, the only thing I can think of is I'm not going to have time for our congregation one-on-ones. I'm not going to have time to be outside of doing a rooted group, be able to pour into people into our congregation. I don't have the bandwidth and also sacrifice my family, which I'm not going to do. And so we're, now with Jay coming on, it allows me, you know, again, give me a couple months to be able, again, to pour into people instead of managing the people that God has entrusted, which I believe is where God's calling us to go. It's awesome. Awesome. to give this question to you um, and, and really twofold as an individual and then also as a church how do you determine what direction god wants you to go oh that's that's great um it's it's a constant pursuit uh through prayer through devotion uh, just the devotions and then i think as i'll speak as a church first uh in this with the elder I've had a lot of opportunities in the marketplace to be involved in different organizations and that and I would say the that the eldership has been the most amazing thing that I didn't know what I would get out of that and it would be because of being there with these men that are we all have different backgrounds you know we look at we look at the different skill sets on the worship team up here and each one of them whether it's a vocalist or the drummer and that is great individually, but when you bring them together, it's a wonderful orchestra. It's a wonderful um, approach to music. And that's the way this eldership has been. And so we're learning from each other and getting stretched because the body of six to seven men coming together and praying over where God wants uh, things to go. And individually, we don't have an opinion. We have opinions and ideas, but collectively, God really walks us through that. And we've wa- I've watched it happen in an amazing way. And I would say that, that these men have been unbelievable to, uh, in, in any organization I've served with, uh, they've been a, a, great, a great body of men to work with there over the direction of the church. And we're still praying, and sometimes we've got an obstacle that comes up, and it's like, okay, how do we walk through that and walk through it together? Uh, personally, it's the same thing, but I, I would say that we all go through uh, transition uh, times and issues in our lives, and the best thing that I can do there besides prayer is that I believe God calls us vertically um, through the scriptures and uh, through our church and that to be speaking to him, but we tend to forget the horizontal, and he calls brothers and sisters in our lives and that are coming alongside of us when we're going through struggles and times. And we tend to, it's amazing, we tend to keep waiting uh, for him to just open up the scriptures all the time, and we tend to forget that a brother or sister alongside of us, that he's calling them to speak into our lives, hold us accountable. And uh, that's helped me in a big, big way uh, this way grow. And, and my life team exists here in Spokane, but also in, in Fort Worth, Texas, Billings, Montana, California, and so there's people that can speak in and through me. That's awesome. Hester, I'll throw this question to you. Um, when transitions happen in life, like career change, uh, empty nester, uh, losses, etc., what are keys to walking through those challenges? Well, I can't answer the empty nester one because I'm not there yet. Al- almost, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost. Um, you know, I can answer 
I know there's some similarities in each of those. And I would say you mentioned through loss. Is that correct? Transition. There's all sorts. Um, 15 years ago yesterday was one of the hardest days of my life when I lost my mom, lost her battle with cancer. And I would say through that transition, through that loss, um, God was definitely wooing me to the heart of Jesus. And I can say with full confidence that I believe that in those times, um, that's what we need to be doing is pressing into the Lord. Just kind of like what I said earlier, I just I really think that as we seek the Lord, as we press into him, he's going to make that transition. He's going to make that difficulty um, bearable with him. I'm not sure how people do it outside of Jesus, to be honest. That's good. I'm going to leave this open to whoever wants to grab this and maybe a couple of you answer on this one. Um, we have a Christian friend in a relationship with a transgender person. What is our church's stance on the variety of LGBT issues? Are they welcome here? <laughs> That's an easy answer to the last part, and then we'll back up. Yes. Who, is, who would not be welcome here? You know, it, it, put, it in, it, it put it in a different form. Who's not welcome in the presence of Jesus? If you study the scriptures, who did he go after? Everybody. Who did he rail on? Religious bodies, you know? And so you think about who did he accept? Who did he bring in? Who did he welcome? And so we're always going to be a church where our doors are wide open to anyone going through anything in life in the hopes that our lives can be centered on the one who gives life, which is Jesus, who gives significance, who gives purpose. You know, when you're talking about the transgender, you know, um, uh, that's, that's the issue that's going on, you know, in our culture today, it breaks my heart. You know, it breaks the heart of God. Uh, the reason is, is because it's an identity question. Uh, what people are really trying to ask is, who am I? You know, and the identity outside of God is going to be incredibly confusing if you listen to our culture. If the grounding that you have or that our people have outside of Jesus Christ are not in Jesus Christ, then good luck on trying to figure out one of God's core purposes in life is trying to figure out who you are. And we struggle with this as well. I mean, don't, don't think about as followers of Jesus Christ, you don't struggle with this as well. Uh, you think you are what you do, right? Which is why we even ask, hey, you know, what's your name? You know, what do you do for a living? You know, so we are identifying my value and my worth based on performance instead of Jesus saying your value and your worth is based on relationship and your relationship is based on me, which is a whole different set of identity, that I am a son of the king, that you could be a, a daughter of the king. You know, that is your identity. That's why one of the most powerful worship songs I believe is saying is, I'm a child of God, you know, which kind of grounds us, centers us, you know, in who we are. And so we will always teach what the Bible clearly teaches, you know, about identity, you know, about, you know, uh, relationships, about sexuality, about all those kinds of things. We're not going to allow the culture to determine that. But we're also going to always have our hands wide open to say, come, come in, come be a part of what God is doing here and allow us to walk a journey of faith with you, no different than that you walk in a faith journey with me, with God's word grounding and is at the center of it all. So that would be kind of the, the, the quick two-minute nutshell version of that. But you guys, you guys can jump in if you want to. Anything I'm fine. <laughs> 
Good. Well, uh, keeping uh, God's word, the center of it all, uh, more theological question here. Uh, if God is all-knowing and has a plan, do we have free will? If we have free will, is God all-knowing? Because if God knows everything I'm going to do, then I don't have free will. But if I have free will, isn't he all-knowing? Sounds like a riddle. <laughs> How much wood would Chuck Chuck if it would Chuck could Chuck wood? Word for word, same question, I think. Yeah. So, I can I can do that. But what do you guys do you want to try? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so, what's that? Yeah, we we talk, we talk about it. You know, in our DNA class. You know, number one is that um, if you believe, you know, we'll go back. I'll use some theological terms. If you believe in Calvinism, if you believe in Arminianism, you know, you are both welcome here. You know, uh, we want to stand on what unifies us. So um, uh, people have always asked, well, Dan, you know, are you a sovereignty of God guy? Or are you a free will guy? And I'll look at him, I'll smile, and I'll say, yes. That's going to mess with your brain for the rest of the afternoon. I believe 100% in the sovereignty of God and 100% in man's free will. You know, well, how do you do that? Well, there's enough scriptures that seem to indicate both are true and both are real, depending on scenario situation. Does God know everything? Yes. Does man have a choice in order to be able to connect with God and determine some things in life? Absolutely. Uh, uh, otherwise, you know, you're assuming, if you're 100% one way, you're assuming that God has intentionally created people to send them to hell. I don't believe that's who our God is. I think we have a choice, you know, in the matter. But in the same way, uh, I think Tyler may best know this, you know, right now. In the same way, I can tell you exactly what my kids are going to do in a situation and scenario, and yet they still have the free will to choose. So does that make me, you know, uh, predetermine their choices? No, I just know them well enough, you know, to know, you know what, as a two-year-old, I know exactly, I'm going to tell you this, but you're going to do this. I know exactly, watch it play out, hon. Watch this, this, and then they did that. Hmm, I must take away their free will. No, could it be that I know you well enough to know what you might choose, which makes me all-knowing in that situation in the same way, how much more so with God, who knows all, but still allows us to be part of the plan, not only in our lives, but in his kingdom. There are too many verses you know, that talk about the opportunity, the challenge, the, the, the commitment that he's asking for us to be involved in what is going on. If, if, if that wasn't, if it was all predetermined, if it was all then taken care of, why would he implore us to do any of those things? Why would he encourage us to do any of those things if it was all predetermined? At the same time, does he know? Is he in charge? Is he in control so that I don't have to feel like everything is on my shoulders and weight? Yes. Dan, how do you put those two together? I don't know. I just know it works. <laughs> so you're both welcome here. And that's what I think. We want to make sure what, what unifies. What unifies a Calvinist? What unifies an Arminianist you know, is dependency on God. That's what we want to be about. We want to be about focusing on him and us becoming more like him in the ways that his word describes. So we have about no more time. Oh, yeah, one more time. One more question. If you guys one have more question. One more question. So um, we, we launched uh, our Barker campus uh, 16 years ago. Uh, and then uh, just uh, a little over a year ago, uh, launched our Otis campus. And six weeks, we get to launch our Freeman campus. What's next? Uh, as we said earlier, one of the things that we think is that we're going to expand this campus. You know, it just seems like with what's happening around us and in us. Now, let me just tell you this. 
Because I, I've been a part of churches that are like, this is what we're doing. Here's what I'll tell you. This is what we're doing open-handed. Always open-handed. We're like, we believe, as we've been praying and processing for the last year, as elders and staff and lay leaders, God, what do you have for us next? What are you calling us to be? Here's what I promise you. We will always be a church that goes after people who don't yet know him. This is the church we're going to be. As long as I am pastor here, we will have a heartbeat for those who are not yet connected here. At the same time, we will also have a heartbeat for those who do come here to help them mature to become like Christ. That is our dual focus here, our mission and our vision. That's what drives us. It's not Dan's. It's Valley Real Life. It's been that way from the beginning. I am just a steward just like you are for the moments that God has given us. And so with that stewardship, we believe that that is the next thing for us as a church. Now, beyond that, there are, we're talking and praying through what does an online, online campus look like? Because, you know, a lot of churches are doing that. We're just praying through that. What does another campus, you know, look like? Here's what we've distinguished is that a campus, as part of Valley Real Life, with our one eldership, you know, one church multiplication mindset, will be in a driving distance around Barker Campus be some driving distance. If it's beyond that, then we want to support church plants. I can tell you that we've had a vision to launch 10 church plants or campuses in 10 years, and we're on track. So we, we launched Otis, but we also helped you know, launch a church down in Texas. So we gave over $50,000 to a church in Texas to get them off the ground. And by the way, they're running over 500, and God's doing amazing things at Real Life Ministries down in, in, in Houston. Uh, we helped uh, financially, gave another $50,000 to a church over in Cheney. You know, that's a real-life church plant. You know, that's over in Cheney. And now we're going to launch, you know, uh, Freeman. We have four in four years. It's kind of cool that we get to be a part of something that's much bigger than us so that we can continue to reach people, you know, for Jesus Christ and then build them up in Him. Does that make sense? That's kind of where God seems to be leading us. Now, the specifics of that, come along for the ride. We'll talk through it. So here's the question. I have anxiety and I pray every day for God to help me and to help it stop, but I feel it's not working. Am I not faithful enough? That's a really great question. Um, I think that I could have probably texted that one in, to be honest. If you were here for our series last spring, we went through Anxious for Nothing, and there was a lot of great points brought out through that series. I would highly encourage you to listen to those messages. But I would just say from a very personal standpoint, um, there are things that can cause anxiety in our lives, and sometimes it's not because we're not praying enough or because we're not in the Word. Um, there are medical imbalances as well that stress causes anxiety. There's, you know, evidence for that. I feel like I've been struggling with anxiety actually. Um, and I do pray and I am in the word and I am seeking the Lord through that because I don't understand why my body is responding the way that it is. So I don't know. Is that? I'll go, I'll go one more, you know, cause you heard me talk about in that series, my own personal, you know, uh, dealing with anxiety. And like Esther said, you can go back and listen to some of that. But it, one of the things that I learned from anxiety and continue to learn is not, am I anxious, stressful, or go through anxiety, even though I pray, what does anxiety produce or cause me to do? So if anxiety causes me to go to God, to go to his word, to be vulnerable with other people on the journey, it's now produced something good in me, even though anxiety has not been taken away. Versus what often can happen is if I'm not in a good place, anxiety produces more eating, 
you know, separation from society and people treating other people wrong. Well, then what is it producing? That's, that's not helpful, you know, and both instances, I still am suffering with anxiety. And so sometimes the lessons learned may not be the relief of the very thing that we're wanting relief from, but what does it produce in us or what does it cause us to go to? That's good. All right, Wayne, this question's for you. Uh, you talked about having uh, six grandkids, right? All under the age of five, right? Um, so how do I get my almost five-year-old to have a positive interest in Jesus and the church? Well, I think that as a grandparent, uh, for us, you know, we continue to focus on keeping Jesus at the center amongst all the gifts. I'm just going to speak of this season a little bit and all the chaos that's there. But I, I think it's just the modeling. I, I, it's, a, it's an ongoing modeling. So I, I think I was blessed so much, Trina and I were this year, when we got videos from our, our kids where one of them bakes a cake for Jesus at each year and then the other one has like they stop and they spend time like who what why are we here at christmas and that and having that discussion so i think it's it's just ongoing and at some point they're going to be coming of an age where they'll know and they'll ask more questions and begin to do that and we just try to continue to impress on them you know not say hey you need to do this but impress on them in a way of just modeling and creating an environment around them and i'd speak that way for grandkids i'm hopeful and I've been very, we've been very blessed that both, all three of our kids married Christians that were raised, and so they have a strong faith of their own. And that's what I gotta say about that. Yeah. And, Wayne, and Wayne and Trina have done a phenomenal job, you know, at raising kids, you know, and now entering that grandkid stage. Uh, but I wanna throw the question back at you, because usually you won't get the five year old question, usually it's a 15 year old question. You know, it's like, how do I get my teenager, you know, to still like church or, you know, to like Jesus and that kind of stuff? Um, understand this, you know, whether they're 5, 15, or 19, um, uh, switch the question around. How do you get your kid to like vegetables? How do you get your kid to like school? How do you get some things you start just doing because you're part of the household and it becomes habit and routine that's built in someone's life that can last the rest of their life? Because we go back to habits and routines when things in our life become chaotic. We always do, which is why you see even people who wander from God, who've been raised in the church or raised in Christ, all of a sudden they get married and have a kid is a high percentage of them that come back to the church. Why? Because every week my parents had me go to church. I guess that was something that was important. I, I need to instill that. So I'll do exactly what Wayne said, but, but also it's okay, you know, to have your kids eat their vegetables, to make them go to school and to also have, go to church, you know, be a part of that as well. I, I would just add too, especially you know, for me personally, I was raised in the church, but um, since we do have camps coming up, just to put a plug in for camps, I rededicated my life at 17 in a winter camp because I was, you know, rule, I, I, just, I would just share for parents and grandparents, you know, rules without relationship equal rebellion. So I just would continue to say rules without relationship equal rebellion. And it's relationship in Christ, but it's also a relationship with each other. And and so there is the, continuing to be available for your kids, no matter what age they are, as they're coming through and your grandkids, um, through relationship and not through a law or becoming pharisaical and setting all these the structured rules allows them to feel more at home coming back to you when they, they do walk away. And I, was, and I was one of those people, so yeah. plug for camp. Yeah, church slash events. Uh, <laughs> you can sign up for Encounter Middle School Winter Camp. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, I'm going to leave this up to whoever wants to grab it. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist and taught that the Sabbath is on Saturday, not Sunday. I attend VRL as my church. How do I still feel re- reverent to the Sabbath issue when speaking to my family, who is still Seventh-day Adventist? Well, I, I can only speak from rel- uh, friends and relatives' standpoint, so I don't know that. But I, I actually know people that have come out of the Seventh-day Adventist. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm a, at Valley Real Life now. I'm a Reformed Southern Baptist. I was raised Southern Baptist. There's people in here that are probably Methodist, and we all have these structures there. And it gets back to relationship and what are the um, what's the majors of becoming a Christian and what are the minors. And I think we tend to be focused on the minors. I still have family members that are in our family that were out of Southern Baptists that don't eat shellfish because they came out of the, the Seventh-day Adventist church. And so I think they've just got to become real. They've continued to talk about their faith in Christ. Um, and we've got to be accepting. I mean, it, it is so hard. I think it, I think prior to Reformation, you know, we must have over fifteen to 1,600 different Protestant denominations around the world since then, and we've, we've, we're dividing over the color of hymnals and whether Adam had a belly button or he didn't, and, and I think we tend to get very focused on that, and that's got you thinking, doesn't it? Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's, but we do, we tend to dissect those small issues, and I, I think to answer to this question, just reaching back out to the family and letting them know that you know the Lord and, and you do worship on different days and we do have different practices, and, but we still love Jesus together. Very good. That's, that's really good. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? He did a pretty good job there. Great. Um, all right. So as a leader and an elder, uh, so Dan or Wayne can, can answer this, how do you keep focus on God's plan for our church versus your personal or cultural influence on leadership decision-making? That's phenomenal. You know, it's uh, a great, great, great question and tension. You know, the first thing is um, I get asked and I am being challenged. Am I connecting with God, you know, on a regular basis? The second thing is that there's not decisions that are made in a vacuum, you know, meaning that all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, hey, we should go to Tahiti with the Christmas money. You know, uh, everybody's like, yeah. You know, it was a great trip, wasn't it, Wayne? Uh, (laughs) We got people like, are they serious? Just kidding. So that's the reason that we have the things that the God's words has in place when it comes to eldership that are raised up from people who are not, you know, on staff, but are from our body, representing the body to make sure they have oversight of the body when it comes, especially to large decisions and things that are made. So, and if you know me, you know, you'll know I'm always trying to test that. Like, I don't want to be the guy that gets into my life being like, man, sure glad I did it my way. You know, like, no, you know, I want to do it God's way. And the only way that I know how to do it God's way is through team. And so whenever an idea is presented, I'm presenting it at different layers and different people. Like, hey, what do you think? Let's pray about this. Let's process. What does God's word have to say? Man, there's not something that's absolutely clear. God may be leaving this open to what we should be doing, the direction it should be headed in. And so we kind of lay it out there. And then we say, all right, God, what do you think? God, what do you think you're calling us to be and do? And so when you finally hear an announcement, just so you know, when you finally hear, hey, this is what we're thinking about Freeman or Otis or you know, expanded facilities, this isn't like a shock to a people who've been praying for a very long time behind the scenes. 
and coming to a point of peace going, you know what, this seems to be the way that God's leading us. At the same time, we are led going like this. You know, in other words, if, if God, you know, should decide that's not the direction, that's fine. We always want to be open-handed with the things of God. I've been a part of too many churches like, this is where we're going, and almost militantly going, no, 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 we want to hold it loosely, and yet we always want to be a church that focuses on people who are not yet here, in the same way that's the reason that Jesus focused on people who are not yet here. Come to seek and to save those who are lost. That's the Son of Man's purpose, and so shouldn't that be our purpose as well? to fulfill the vision and the mission that God has given to Valley Real Life. Not God has given to Dan. This is what God has given to Valley Real Life, to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time and to be and make disciples, to both go deep and wide. You constantly with that tension of trying to manage both, are we going to be that church? And so we're going to be willing to do things, you know, maybe that no one's doing in order to reach those that no one's reaching. As long as we're according to God's word, following his plan. Now, where the rub's going to come is when something happens that's not what your preference is. And that's where we struggle a little bit. Well, that's not way, because I'm an American, that's not the way I would do it, right? Like, like well, okay, well, is that a preference or is that a sin issue? Well, we've got to support the leaders as they then have to be responsible to God. You know, and that's my first responsibility is to the elders first, you know, actually to God first and the elders second. It's just saying, I have, I have to go before him and he's going to ask, what did you do in that point of leadership? That's a little bit of a different weight, you know, um, that, uh, that some of you guys won't understand, but it's a weight that's worth it because it expands the kingdom of God. Mm. I, would, I would just say we're a body of different individuals that God speaks through. And if there is a time that there is a hesitation by any one of the elders um, over something and, it, and they need to wrestle or we all need to wrestle through it, we take that time. We don't rush to decisions. So we'll take that time so that we're unified in whatever the decision is that we've made going forward and feeling like that God's answered that, or we'll delay it. And we've had, we've had issues where we've delayed for a period of time and, and continue to pray on it, and God might have spoken to us in a different way. So I would support what you were saying. So, Dan, you mentioned Freeman. So two questions with that. One, when is Freeman Campus launch? And two, how can we at Barker and Otis help support and come alongside yeah. alongside Freeman. So I forgot to mention that. We're only five weeks away, approximately, you know, um, from launching Freeman Campus. It's the week after Super Bowl. February 9th is their opening weekend. They'll have two services, you know, that morning. And so super excited. Uh, the biggest help, number one, is prayer. Why are we launching Freeman? It's the same reason we launched Otis, to reach the Freeman community for Jesus, not to create smaller environments not to make the places more comfortable for people. That's not what Freeman needs. That's not what Otis needs. They don't need more churches. They need churches that are focused on people not yet connected. And so we want to be a church that continues to focus in ways that God is calling us to be and do. And so one is prayer. Two is if you still want to be involved in this new work. If you're like, man, I'd love to be a part of something new. I'm, I'm, I'd love to get something off the ground and go commit for a year you know, of your life and say, I'm willing to kind of sacrifice my comfort or where I'm at in the same way that Jay left is leaving Savannah coming all the way here. I, I was inspired by that today. And I'm going to go commit. I'm going to be a part of the Freeman launch to get it off the ground for the next 12 months. And then this time next year, you can come back to Barker if that's what God's calling you to do, you know, as we continue to fulfill the vision that God has for us. And so there's other ways, you know, as well, you can contact Brad, you know, you can look at our website uh, next week again at the 11 o'clock service. You know, they'll be in, you know, the C1 room right as you come in, right near the kids area. And you can walk in there and actually have a conversation even after the service, if that's helpful.
Awesome. Awesome. Um, Hester, I'm going to give this one to you. Okay. Uh, this person says, this is my first time at Valley Real Life. So bold to, to text on the first time. That's awesome. Thank you for being here, uh, whoever sent this in. And I'm the only person in my family that goes to church. How do I work through feeling lonely at church? Well, our prayer is that you don't feel lonely here. So we would love for you to get connected, whoever you are. Uh, we want you to jump in and be a part of the ministries that are here so that you can do life with other people. Um, that's the way that God has designed us, that we're to be doing things together, that we need each other. So, yeah, man, I hope that whoever you are, we want to we wanna meet you, we want to have you go to the connecting point. We want to get you connected. That's awesome. Eric, we got time for one more? One more question? Yep. All right, one more question. I'll let whoever wants to pick this up. Um, simple question that was texted in, will homosexuals go to heaven? You said a simple question? Yeah. As the... Well, simple in length. <laughs> We got two Five minutes words left. Or left. Okay. Five words Five or left. Words Five or words or less. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is a great question. That we got asked the other one. You know, uh, on other service, very, very similar. It's kind of the topic, you know, of the day. You know, so just let me quickly, you know, just let you know, anyone, you know, who whether it be transgender, the LGBTQ, you know, whatever people identify themselves, you are welcome here at Valley Real Life. Jesus hung out with people like you and I who he didn't hang out with was religious people who thought they were better than you and I. And so Jesus always welcomed people into his midst. The second thing is that we cannot change God's word, uh, nor will we ever change God's words. It's not my words, you can shoot the messenger, but God's word is really clear you know, on what it means to be a follower of him. So we wanna invite you into the journey that God has for us according to his word. The question becomes why, why would he say things? Why would he not allow me to have adultery or commit adultery on my wife? Why would that? He's so restrictive. What's wrong with him? Well, could it be that he knows a little bit more about us than we know about ourselves? Could he knows what helps us on this side of eternity and helps us in the next side of eternity? And so profession in Christ, living a life of fruit is what gets us into heaven. That's what it says. Jesus says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Now, proof, James talks about, proof of a life of a person who is following Jesus, you know, is going to be demonstrated by their actions, by the way they live in accordance with God's word. Not perfectly, otherwise all of us are out, okay? There are days, moments, even this very minute, I want to wring Eric's neck, you know, uh, <laughs> of, of feelings, you know, that you have, you know, for other people, you know. But it'll God be it'll be called me. the red room. He loves me, you know. Anyway, you know that's right. <laughs> the red room. That's funny. So you know, again, that and that is a question we will not shy away from. That is a question what we want to journey with, and it's going to take longer than two minutes on a Sunday morning for us to walk through together. Again, what does the Bible say? Why does the Bible say it? And why is that important to God and other people? And, and we like to make it about an issue homosexuality, LGBTQ, transgender. We like to make it about the issue instead of saying, no, 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 no. What does God have to say? He has an equal playing field when it comes to our connection with him and our relationship with other people, which is clear in scripture, which is what this church is based on unapologetically as we continue to live in the grace and truth to which Jesus came. We wanna be that church as well. So hopefully that helps just a little bit, you know, with that. Persons, uh, 
knack for what they're going to believe largely falls in at a young age to where they were born. Um, so, for instance, uh, I was born in Oklahoma in the bu- buckle of the Bible Belt, which gave me a predisposition to um, to f- going to church. My parents went to church, those types of things. Uh, but somebody who was born in a uh, Middle Eastern country uh, might be more predisposed to, to other religions or uh, uh, Eastern Asian, uh, those different things. And yet, we believe that to... F- get to heaven to to experience what God has for us, um, we must profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so how do we, in our understanding of what God teaches, um, encounter that truth of them understanding what they can? Uh, I, f- I feel like I asked that question well enough. Did I? Your face says no. So let me explain again. How do we as Christians kind of reconcile uh, that uh, they are experiencing their religion uh, to the best of their ability and are a good person by all of their cultural standards but have never heard of Jesus or know him? And how do we as Christians interact and reconcile that understanding? Go for it. I I would start just by saying, if I hear you correctly in what you just read. um, You're on. Okay. That it doesn't... It doesn't matter how good of a person we are. It doesn't matter what culture we define with. Scripture is clear. Acts 4.12, that salvation is found in no other name. John 14.6, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, that no man comes to the Father but by him. But what is really central to that is a relationship with Jesus. And Romans 1 tells us, too, that God has made it very evident by who he is, um, one verse, I don't know where that, it's towards the end of that. Uh, thank you. You're looking, we are tracking. Anyway. She's that, reading in Romans one twenty says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Yeah. In other words, you're going to be judged on what you know, and God's creation speaks to a creator, to a designer, who is God, and he is going to give every person an opportunity to know him at whatever level that they're able to know him on this side of eternity. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's good. I just, the question that you asked at the end, I think for me personally, like the way I wrestle with that truth is for me, it just, it kind of fuels my motivation to be honest, because we are all, those who follow Christ are ambassadors of Jesus. And we are all asked to share the good news. It's good news or it's good news, right? It's great news. So that's my responsibility as a Christian is to share the truth of God. So more than anything, it actually motivates me, Tyler, to accept the responsibility that God has given me to share the truth of Christ with everyone, including the agnostic, the atheist, if they believe in Buddhism or whatever their, you know, faith line is, the way to the Father is through Jesus. And it's also one of the reasons why it's so important for us to have incredible international partners for us to partner with, you know, we don't have any arrogance to think that it's the West to the rest, you know, meaning that our church is in charge of bringing the good news to every nation on the earth. Our church is responsible for our part to help make sure that people hear the good news on the rest of the earth. So some of that will be our personal invitation and opportunities that he gives us to places in the entire earth. Other times it'll be through our Chinese partners who are more better equipped, so we will support them as they go to different areas of the earth or to Uganda or to the Philippines or other places that God leads us so that we're partnering with other people as we ourselves are called to go and reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. 
It's awesome. Really great. Um, so we'll continue talking about, you know, faith and our faith journey here. Um, and Wayne, you'd probably be great at answering this question. How do you know it's God speaking to you and not just your own thoughts? Well, um, because me, myself, and I, we agree with each other. <laughs> so, actually not. I, um, I think uh, in to, to address that, you know, the continual prayer and devotion and taking things up to Him at all times, all days, not a specific time of the day, is um, important for me. Uh, the, the vertical relationship with Him, as we just talked about, is important, but God also calls me to have brothers and sisters in my life that speak into me with wisdom that I might miss. And I, I think as, as each of us have a team or, or people around us that are accountability or, or other people that um, are there, it's, it's important for them to be able to give insight, uh, biblical, Christian, you know, God insight um, through them on the horizontal. I think I've learned that the most this last year as being a chair with the eldership is because we have walked through, you know, Dan's demonstrated today, you know, he's, he's vulnerable, he's transparent, he's, you know, he'll lay it on the line. I think each of you see that with him when he comes out and that's, a, that's um, highly valuable in, in our, our lead pastor. But as a group of uh, elders, as men, I've come to, uh, to just grow in my relationship and appreciation to going for unity of what God's calling us to do, not necessarily what our opinion is. Each of us can have an opinion and a thought and an idea, but collectively, if we're, we don't feel God calling us uh, to uh, unity in that, um, then we'll take time to pray on it further, push it out, um, maybe not address it uh, right at that moment because we're not unified in our relationship. So that's uh, kind of both my personal and, and experience as well as here. And if... Anything that you're feeling like is God speaking to you, it's contradicting God's word. It's not God. You know, if somebody else is trying to confirm that word and it's contradicting to God's word, it's not God. You know, uh, so just know that that is the grounding that we have. It's God's word, you know, that kind of keeps it. But there might be things that come into your life like, man, I should talk to that person. I should do something. Um, one of my rules, you know, has kind of been if it's outside my comfort zone, more than likely it is you know, from God, especially, you know, if it's like, oh, go do, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, oh, well, okay, maybe God wants me to do that, you know, so if that helps a little bit. Good. Next question is, does the church or the Bible have anything to say about partisanship and politics? Does the church or the, yeah. Render to Caesar what is Caesar. Sorry, so you have to pay taxes is what she just said, you know, is, is, is one of the boo. You can boo Jesus if you want to. That's what he said. You know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because the question was asked, why should we be taxed, you know, uh, from such an immoral, you know, government? Why should we give? Do you understand Jesus? Don't you get it? Aren't your head, out, you know, out of the, the scriptures? And don't you understand what these ruthless dictators and people are doing to our people, the Jewish people? And he says, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You know, so he's like, oh, shoot, got to still pay my taxes, you know. Okay, so that's, you know, that's the first thing. It also says every single time, it doesn't matter who's in politics, are you praying for the person in office? You know, we get so stuck on who the person is, which is fascinating to me that we don't get stuck on praying for the person. You know, and, and, but our, our mantra, you know, inside or outside the church, we get so volatile, and yet what would unify us is if we continue to pray. And pray for all forms of government, all people in leadership, you know, that God has called us to submit ourselves 
Not to the point where we're doing things immoral. That's where you have to stand your ground, you know, and you begin to stand out. If, you have, if you're being asked to do something that's immoral by your government, then you need to stand up and be able to do so. Then also, you know, as it relates, and I'll say this to politics and anything else, Jesus says, you know, it through, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he writes, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Okay, so if there's political things, you know, that are issues that are being decided, like, this is right, this is wrong, always be, be able to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. So our response and our voice needs to be done, but always with gentleness and respect. Never should it be done in volatility, you know, or in blasting you know, uh, when it comes to those outside of the kingdom of God. You know, the times that Jesus blasted people, he realized it was the church. He didn't go to emperor and start overturning tables. It was church, you know, that he started overturning, started whipping people. Man, you don't give a little picture of that, you know, on Christmas time. You know, a picture. I just wanted somebody to give me, just Jesus left a whip in his hand, just whoosh, you know, the, like, son, that's going to happen to you too. You know, if you don't listen to Jesus, you know. So it's not really that, you know, we have the Jesus and the lamb, you know, we're carrying like that one, Jesus and the whip, you know, that's, a, that's what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm getting way off track now, you know. Third, Cersei, like, yeah, all right, I'm going to stop talking. Is that uh, you can't see anymore? Great, great answer, Dan. Uh, <laughs> next question. Uh, so whoever wants to pick this one up, do relatives who have passed away actually watch over us like guardian angels? And if we pray, do they hear us? Anybody at all? I, I can answer one I haven't passed on there to know the answer to that question yet. You don't. Uh, we did a couple weeks series on heaven. So I would go back, you know, uh, to, to that. I'd also recommend, you know, a book. Randy Alcorn's probably got the best, most definitive, understandable, I should say, definitive work, you know, on heaven. And so if you want to Google that, you know, that will be able to help, you know, understand a lot of the aspects of what is in heaven. Do our, you know, relatives here, you know, can they, you know, when we're praying, do they see? So there seems to be evidence, you know, uh, um, that yes, no. The problem is that you're, you're counting space and time in the same way we do. So that's why there's no biblical, you know, um, evidence of somebody, you know, saying, hey, I heard you praying the other day or I watched over you. Because when somebody passes away, what Randy Alcorn talks about is in scripture, time ceases to exist in the way that we know time. And so when it says, and they will be caught up in a moment, you know, in Corinthians, Corinthians it talks about, you know, in the, in the twinkling of an eye, it'll just all happen at once. Like at once, wait a minute, my dad passed away, you know, a number of years ago. And I know Hester's mom passed away a number of years ago. What do you mean at once? Time is still. So when you die, you go straight to heaven. But how much time has passed in between? So see, now we're going to get into some, you know, physics and all that other kind of fun stuff. So hopefully, resource-wise, heaven, Randy Alcorn, or you can go back and listen to our two or three-week series that we had on heaven last year? Last May. It was last May. Uh, speaking of relatives, um, how can I get my teenager to come to church with us without getting into an argument? <laughs> so, so two of you have uh, teenagers in your home, and you've raised uh, three. Uh, they they successfully got out of their teenage years. Um, so, what what advice would you give to this parent? I'll just start by saying I think that 
I don't know the context of this parent. I don't know if they're newer to church or if they've had children coming to church their whole life. But I would say our experience has been to really try to cast a vision for loving the church, that we love the church, that this is um, God's chosen instrument to reach the world for Christ. And I think that when we are excited about church, we're excited about our relationship with God, it becomes an opportunity for our kids to grow in that excitement for the love of the church too. Um, and there are times, sure. You know, have we had to set boundaries with our kids on Saturday nights? You bet. Is there a curfew? You bet. Because we want to honor what we believe and what we value as a family to be together in, you know, at church on Sunday. I just keep thinking about Jesus and the whip. <laughs> no. Sorry, going back to well, that. Well, a lot, a lot of you. I say that just, my, my, just very briefly, just to clarify. I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry, third service happens. 11 o'clock special. The, the hope is that, that we are casting a vision for our children so that they own it themselves, so that they are on their own initiating that relationship with Christ and wanting to be a part of the church as well, to be a part of what God is doing. Yeah, I, and I, I say it's really hard. You know, we had kids that were in AAU basketball and premier soccer, and you know, all this really competes with, uh, with Sunday uh, church as well and, and Thursday. For us, and you've heard the analogy that... Uh, the chicken contributes to breakfast, but the pig is committed. Okay, for bacon ham. So if you think, and the reason I say that is because it's easy to attend, but what we really encourage our kids to do is get involved. And so they were involved with, um, whether it was on worship team or the youth worship, or they were involved in, uh, in the leadership, you know, leading different stuff, or it's being a place at our house where the the kids can come over and be there is really trying to be you know if you're getting your kid your uh, child in a leadership role or an area where they're learning because you learn more if you're teaching you learn more if you're commit if you're really committed in that area and so they did that but there were times that it was like hey I don't want to I don't want to go you know to church today and we're saying well you need to go to church today and then there's times that they didn't want to and we say hey we're not going to battle with that one today we're going to wait for another day have a talk about it not on Sunday morning, because Satan shows up on Sunday morning, does he not? And it's usually before you get in the car, and it's in the car, and then it's right when you walk through the door, and then when we walk up to you and say, hello, how are you doing? You go, fine, how's everything going? And it really wasn't. So it's just, it's again, it's a perseverance word. You've got to just continue to stay and model, model what you want uh, them to mimic. Well, and tell them the relationship rules thing. I thought that was... Really oh, yeah. It's just, I, I think that anytime we're struggling with this is, um, we dealt with it with music. We dealt with it with all areas. But rules without relationship equal rebellion. And so if we set a lot of rules, and I see that's where Christ modeled that in the church, too, is we start with Ten Commandments, and then the, by the time the Pharisees are there, where there's 780-some rules that were put into place. And so we tend to put rules, and it's just continuing to go back and focus on relationship. And ask them why they don't want to go. Sit down and say, well, tell me what, what are you experiencing? What's going on? Is, is don't just say yes. Just sit down and ask questions. Um, and that begins to open up the relationship dialogue. And it's, and it's okay to make your kids go. It's okay as long as you keep the relationship at the center. Right? It's, it's the same thing you know, that you get like, well, I don't want to go to school today. You don't ever have that art conversation. Like, no, you're going to school. You know, when they're younger. I'm not eat, eating these vegetables. Like, no. You are, but let's still be in relationship, you know, be able to, to establish, you know, so that you have those kinds of rules. So and if they're always sick, like me, I told my daughter, go to school, you got to go to school. You're not sick, you're not bleeding, you don't, you're not throwing up, nothing else, go to school. 
only to find out three years later she had a very severe allergy to food. So dad's feeling like, so get him checked out too. Get him checked out if they're sick. Eric, uh, Tyler, any additional on that since you guys work with youth? Yeah, the, th the, the only thing I would add to it, you know, to those great answers is, is model it. Um, you know, in all the research that has been done, uh, I, I get the opportunity to work with young adults as well, and, and all the research that's done with young adults and people, students who go off to college, the number one reason that a student stays connected is because of the family that they're connected to has an established faith. And so you're, being a parent to teenage years, uh, as a parent to uh, toddlers right now, uh, I can say being a parent to teenage years, as I've gotten to observe it, is one of the hardest seasons you're going to go through. So give yourself some grace, first of all, and model what loving Jesus looks like, right? They will, they will see that. Even if you don't think that they see it or they care, um, research still says that the parent's voice is the largest influence in a, in a student's life, period. Other things are rising, but it's still a parent's voice, even when you think their AirPods are in and they're not listening. Uh, and so um, they will watch what you do more than what they watch what you, or listen to what you say, and so model what loving Jesus looks like, uh, and you'll, you'll have a greater chance of them continuing that as their own faith. And I will say that I put a plug in for a youth camp because it's coming up, and these guys shared that with you. But for me, it's, there was a real tough time in the teenage years that I didn't want to go to church. I battled with my folks and that, but rededicated my life to the Lord at 17 at, at a winter camp. And so I, I think giving opportunities to keep people in there, the modeling was there, but the rules and would were equaling a little bit more rebellion, but I found relationship in others. And even today as adults, you know, we, it, it's, a, is to not be isolated, but find an opportunity where there's uh, brothers and sisters around us that can come alongside of us and, and help encourage us. So I would ask that of your kids as well, have them develop some strong Christian relationships. That's good. Yeah, very good. I agree. Get them connected. Uh, last question. Easy one, Dan. Uh, inside joke. Sorry, last service. Uh, I have recently found God and feel like my next step is baptism, but I'm not sure if I should wait a while. I feel like I failed God by not following him for so long, and I don't want to overstep my boundaries. When is it appropriate to get baptized? Right now. You know, right now. Again, it's what you see, you know, especially in the book of Acts, you know, is that uh, people responded immediately. They're like, all right, here's what God, you know, has done for me. Here's my receptivity to what God has done for me. Here's my pledge to make Jesus the center, the Lord, you know, the reason of my life. And as a response of that, I'm going to get baptized. And so you, if you read the book of Acts, you're like, huh, they responded, got baptized, responded, got baptized. Why don't we get baptized? You know, even, you know, one story where they're traveling along, you know, and there's Philip in this this Ethiopian, you know, eunuch guy, and he's like, oh, there's water. You know, it must have been nasty water in the middle of the desert. He goes, why, should, why shouldn't I get baptized? And so he went right down there and got baptized right there. And so if you'd love to, right at the end of our service time, you know, uh, one of the pastors would love to talk to you, and you can get done, you know, you get dunked right now. The only thing that I encourage people to do is it's also an opportunity. It's an also an opportunity to profess Christ to other people. So I'm always one to say, you got to get it done right now. But if next week means that your mom, brother, sister, coworker, neighbor, family, and friend can attend, some of which who don't yet believe in God, but they're willing to come see your baptism, even better than do it next week. Because then it becomes a testimony to what God is doing in your life, and people begin to see. 
Uh, as we wrap up our time together, you know, uh, there is one verse, you know, that I believe. Uh, oh, thanks. I'm going to try to do it, I think, because he's going to have it up there, that I want to leave you with, you know, that has kind of been the mantra, you know, for me, that I hope will be for you as well. It says in Acts 20, 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That is my plan in 2020, and I hope it's yours as well. We want to be a church that it's not about us, that we give our lives for the sake of something greater, something more, not individually. I can't do this, and neither can you by yourself. We have to do this together, unified with Jesus at the center, knowing that our lives are but a breath, a mist, compared to all eternity, and for the time in which we have, what are we using it for? To bring glory to him, by extending his grace and love to those who don't yet know and to also grow up to become more like him. The way we say it, to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time and to be and make disciples of him. Will you stand with me as we close our time in prayer? Father, thank you so much for this morning. So many questions, so many things that are on people's hearts and minds and I pray that the questions would continue as people dialogue with one another centered on you and your word. I pray that you would just guide, you know, even our lives as we exit this year and go into the next. We thank you for this year. We thank you for the ups. We even thank you for the challenges, Lord, that uh, life seems to bring because we know what it could produce in our lives. So allow us, Father, to enter the 2020 just uh, focused on you, attuned to you, and allow us to lead lives that bring glory to you as well. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Amen.